Welcome to The Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers tribute podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lee James of rickleejames.com, and I run the Mr. Rogers Quote Twitter X account found at Mr. Rogers Say. As we again walk into this podcast neighborhood, I want you to know that no matter where you are from, you are welcome here. I'm glad to be your neighbor. Every daughter, every son, every tribe, and every tongue. In the spirit of Fred Rogers and the life of welcome that he lived, welcome to the neighborhood. Ordinary People Change the World is the friendly, fun biography series written by Brad Meltzer that inspired the PBS Kids TV show, Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. One great role model at a time, these books encourage kids to dream big. In the new book, I Am Mr. Rogers, the beloved children's television host becomes the 31st hero in the New York Times best-selling picture book biography series for ages 5 to 9. The book's author, Brad Meltzer, has stopped by for a podcast visit to tell us all about this neighborly new addition to the Ordinary People Change the World series, and I could not be happier about that. Brad Meltzer, welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, thank you. I, I, you know, it's something just nice hearing that. Usually people say, welcome to the podcast, and that's not fun. But welcome <laughs> to the neighborhood. I mean, now you got the best title of all. Yeah, well, you know what? It's I always consider it a, a neighborhood visit, even though we're online. So I, I just want a person to feel welcome and, and like they're a guest in my home, just like Mr. Rogers used to always do. So glad to have you here with us today. And congratulations, by the way, on, on another book. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. I, I pre-ordered it, and I can't wait for my copy to come in the mail. But I'm excited to hear all about it today. And I'd love for you, as we begin today, would you be able to just tell our listeners, what is your Mr. Rogers story? Yeah, you know, um, when I was five years old, Mr. Rogers and Jim Henson um, taught me that I could, you know, use my creativity to put good into the world. That's what I always took as it. Like there were, he looked right at me. He told me. And I think all these years later, that's all I'm trying to do. And Chris Eliopoulos, our incredible artist on the kids book series, that, that's all we're trying to do is try to use our creativity to put good into this world. And I, and I don't think it's any more simple than that. I just don't think I'd be having the career I have. I don't think I'd have the job I have. I don't think I'd have this kids book series without Mr. Rogers telling me that um, whatever it is I choose to do, that's okay too. Because my career is not, a, you know, I, I write thrillers and mysteries and I murder people all, all day long. And then I write these children's books. And then we write these history books. I write comic books. I write all these different things. My career makes no sense. It looks like it goes all over the map. But again, Mr. Rogers told me, be true to yourself. And, and I like telling stories for kids and putting good into the world. And, uh, and, and that's absolutely without question, the first person who taught it to me. Wow, that's amazing. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. And I know that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I can attest that my own family uh, with my own son, uh, that we've enjoyed not only uh, watching Xavier Riddle when he was a little bit younger, but 
uh, also the books, and, and I always look forward to new editions. Uh, I have several of them, including uh, the Batman and the Superman books, and I just think they're fantastic. So I'm excited about this new edition with Mr. Rogers, who is obviously an iconic figure, and he has been written about quite extensively by a lot of different people in different ways. But how did you, uh, as Brad Meltzer and Chris together, uh, how did you approach capturing his essence and his legacy in a children's book? You know, we, we always start uh, with, and this is the beauty of it, just the person when they're a kid. You know, we started the series so I could give my kids better heroes to look up to. And they were looking at reality TV show stars and people who were famous being famous. And, and you know, we, that's not a hero. I used to tell my kids all the time that's being famous. And being famous is very different than being a hero. So we started the series with I'm Amelia Earhart. We did I'm Abraham Lincoln. I'm Rosa Parks. But the secret sauce of the series has always been finding that person when they're a kid and telling you the story you don't know. And so we started right in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, right? A small town, real trolley, the kind of place where everyone knew their neighbors. And what shocked me when we started telling the story is just, you know, and I knew, I obviously knew a lot of it because Mr. Rogers is one of the few heroes who I, I researched before, I'd looked into before. So it wasn't, I shouldn't say shocking, but what I loved, I should say, is um, you know, he, he wasn't a popular kid. He was shy. He didn't like sports, but he was bullied and people would call him names. A group of bullies would, you know, chase him behind after school and chase him home, you know, saying, we're going to get you, Freddie. And he'd be so mad at those kids. And I love, that's the thing that shocked me, but I loved also is that Mr. Rogers isn't perfect in every way. And he was just like us. He was mad when that happened. He felt bad that he couldn't, you know, that those kids couldn't see him as anything but shy and, and weak. And he used to cry in his room a lot. And, and also, you know, was scared a lot, scared of being alone, scared of starting school. He, in fact, was so scared. Remember those ads in the back of comic books that used to say, you know, guy kicks sand in your face and says, you know, order here and we'll give you muscles. Right. He, he placed his order. Mm. And, and he tried to get the, the big exercise thing that he ordered, the Atlas, whatever, with Charles Atlas thing. Um, and again, it, of course it didn't work because nothing's wrong with being scared. It's all right, right to feel how you're feeling is what he figured out. And, and as we're looking at that childhood, we realized that, you know, he was sick a lot as a kid. He had diabetes. He had diseases like scarlet fever and asthma, mm. he, you know, stuck in his bed. He, he may, uses toys to make up stories and he pretend his knees were mountains and he'd take his little things and pretend that he was climbing that mountain. And then he added puppets and had a puppet theater in his own attic and, you know, a real stage where he'd entertain family and friends. And what did Mr. Rogers get? But telling those make-believe stories help them feel so much better. And that's where we start our approach is like how we all understand how great he is as an adult. But if, if I say to you, you know, Rick, tell me who you are when you're a kid and I'll tell you who you are today. And we start with him just as a young child. And, and that's always how we start every one of the I Am books. Yeah. Wow. And I think that Fred Rogers was so good at understanding, too, that we are always all the ages that we've ever been, you know, and he, he really had that way of, of connecting 
not only with the adult Fred when he was older, but I, I think he always hung on to that child self. One thing that I really loved uh, watching your your Savior Riddle cartoon that had Fred Rogers in it is you kind of brought that out too about when he was younger. And I remember in the episode uh, that he was watching the other children play. And uh, whenever Xavier and his friends come up and little Brad, and, and they all come up to uh, talk to him, he's saying, well, I'm not very good at sports and I'm not very good at uh, the things the other kids are doing. And it's it's just a, a great way to help kids who maybe don't have all of those um, who are not maybe the star athlete or whatever children are, are looking at as their role models. Um, it, it helps them to know too that, uh, at one time, you know, everybody was a little kid and we all had these struggles together. So I appreciate the way that you bring that out for sure. Oh, that, and that's very conscious of us. You know, we, when, whenever we show these, these heroes in the I am series, we always show you their failures. No one's life is perfect, right? I mean, the one thing we make is a mistake with our heroes. Say we build these giant monuments to our heroes. We put their sweaters in the Smithsonian. We build giant monuments to them in Washington, D.C., and when we do that, we fail them in some ways. I know we honor them, but we fail them because we look at them like they're these kind of lowercase g gods, you know, or like they've never had a problem. They've never made a mistake and they become unapproachable to us. And anyone you look up to, whether it's Dr. King, Abraham Lincoln, Rosa Parks, Amelia Earhart, Mr. Rogers, or anyone else, they all have moments where they were scared and they were terrified and they didn't know if they could go on. And of course they can. So when you read I Am Abraham Lincoln, it shows you how many elections he lost before he won. When you read um, Amelia Earhart, you, she talks about you know the crashes she had when she was little. When you read you know any book, it, you know even Muhammad Ali, it was important to say you know he was scared because we hold these people up as perfect. And for me, Mister Rogers, it was important to say he got angry at those bullies. Important to say I wasn't good at sports. I didn't do that. I mean, I have a. My oldest son is a great athlete. My youngest son, can, you know, is, is just sports is not his gift at all. He's much more creative. Um, but I want each of those kids in these books to find something, you know, Muhammad Ali, I am Muhammad Ali. My oldest would be like, oh, it's really hard to be a good athlete. My youngest, who's the creative one, like Fred Rogers, when he reads, I am Mr. Rogers, he's going to say, you know, it's okay to, that you struggle at these things and how these things come about. And I think if, as long as you show that humanity, then if we do our job, these books are not just the stories of famous people. They're what we're all capable of in our very best days. Well, and, and, you know, he, even in his episodes that from time to time, we leave in the mistakes intentionally because he wanted children to understand that that's how life was. Things didn't always go the way it was supposed to go. And I, I think that's a beautiful way that you're showing that to children uh, through showing all of these with all of the heroes that you mentioned and the people who have changed the world. Uh, and that's part of the beauty. Sometimes we're scared and we do it anyway, which is really what courage is. And, and I love the way that you bring that out in the books. And that, that actually brings me um, to thinking about a, a different kind of, of genre that you have written uh, many times in the past, because as you mentioned, you, you've done so many things. But it's clear that, that Fred Rogers wasn't just a kind person, uh, but he truly embodied the virtue of kindness, which many consider to be a superpower, I, I guess, in some ways, because a lot of people seem to have more of it than others. And in your career, you've written numerous superhero stories, too. Not only your Ordinary People Can Change the World series, but as a writer for DC Comics, you've written several superheroes. I wonder if you might be able to just share your thoughts 
maybe on the concept of kindness that we see interact interacting uh, not only in the real life stories of people like Fred Rogers, but I think we often see this in fictional myths and the characters like Superman, you know, both of whom Fred Rogers or Superman uh, are in some ways embodying kindness. And I, I just wonder if you have any thoughts on that and so, sort of the way that that often works its way into our myths. Listen, I don't think there's any difference between Mr. Rogers and Superman. Uh, of course, I understand that one of them is fictional and one of them really lived. But in terms of their impact and what they teach us, uh, I don't see the difference. Um, and I think it, it's why those two people, characters, call them what you want, um, resonate with me. You know, the, the, the characters that resonate the most with us in our lives and are, are the characters don't just teach us about themselves but they teach us about, they teach us about ourselves. And, you know, to me, the most important part of Superman is not Superman. The most important part of Superman is not Superman. The most important part of Superman is Clark Kent. And why? Because we're all Clark Kent. We all know what it's like to be boring and ordinary and wish we could do something incredibly beyond ourselves. And I love the fact that Mr. Rogers stands for that idea that, you know, and, and Superman stands for the idea that we can all do something incredibly beyond ourselves, right? There, those lessons that Mr. Rogers gives are the same lessons I take from Superman that you could, you know, in this world that, you know, it's, there, there's so many things out there. There's so many things battling for, you know, for good, for bad, for our attention, for whatever it is, but just to remind ourselves that we can be good people. That by being a good person, you know, Superman is Superman because he lands in, from Krypton. He lands in Kansas to these two kind people. And that's why he's Superman, not because he can fly or shoot lasers out of his eyes, but because those two people taught him that by being good to each other, you can actually make a difference in the world. That's the lesson I take away from Superman. That's the lesson I take away from Fred Rogers. And, and it's a lesson that Fred Rogers took from his hero, right? His mother was one of his heroes, obviously his grandparents too, and his, but his family had such an impact on him. And one of my favorite stories that we put in I Am Mr. Rogers is that when he's a little boy, um, you know, where does kindness come from? It comes from love. And love is at the root of everything. Teaching, learning, relationships, Mr. Rogers believed that. And his parents taught him, you know, when when there was a someone in school, a student in school couldn't afford... Um, new shoes his mother bought a pair of brand new high tops and sent them to the school nurse and the kid's like oh my gosh where these sneakers come from and the school nurse is like like just someone you know caring donor gave them to us and over time the school nurse would order coats and eyeglasses even furniture for kids who couldn't afford it send the bills to fred rogers mother who never took credit for buying those things and what does she teach her son in that moment it's the value of being a good neighbor. And, you know, I love the fact that when he was scared and saw things that were scary in the news as a boy, it's his mother who would repeat one of life's great lessons, one of the quotes we all know about Mr. Rogers, right? Look for the helpers. It's his mom who said, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. And again, if that's not, if that's not a superhero, I don't know what is. There's no better explanation for what a superhero is. So, to me, though, you know, I, I, 
though they are interchangeable and and they they teach me every day there's a study that was done recently that said that fictional characters have more of an impact on us as as people than real life people do and i love that you know yeah. it means like dumbledore and uh and and scout and uh you know atticus finch superman and let's think about it fred rogers you know as mr rogers it was still a, you know that was the Maybe he was one and the same, but those people have influence on how we act more than politicians, more than business leaders, certainly more than politicians today. And and to me, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Oh, that, those are some powerful truths that you're reminding us of today. And I'm I'm very grateful for that. Uh, just one more um, connection that, that makes me think of a very Fred Rogers type thing when I think of Superman. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the new cartoon of My Adventures with Superman uh, that's been showing on Max, but there's a really wonderful scene where Superman has still not learned his powers yet. He's as much Clark as he is Superman, and he gets in front of a bullet to save Lois, not knowing that uh, that he is bulletproof yet. And she says, how did you know you were you were bulletproof? And he said, I didn't, but I knew you weren't. And I really... Thought, no, wow. I love that. I didn't yeah. see that. That's great. Oh yeah, it's it's a great the way they to me that in, encapsulates that character. And I think of again back to the kindness of Fred Rogers, who so many people thought, well, that's the person he plays on the TV show. But then, as I'm sure you found in your research, as I have found in mine and all of my reading about the man, that he seemed to be even more Mister Rogers off the set than he was on. That he truly cultivated. Uh, the type of personality that could be that kind person in the world and affected so many people. And uh, it's amazing to see how many people the world over that I have, have spoken with about the man have, have had these different experiences um, where he changed their life. So we're very oh, listen, I'll Yeah, no, I'll tell you, I, I've done, this is our, as you said, our 31st book. Mm. We've done you know, I am Muhammad Ali. I am Martin Luther King Jr. I am Rosa Parks. I am George Washington, Jane Goodall, you know, Jim Henson, you name it. We've done them. Walt Disney. Um, I've never, in the, in the nine years we've been doing this series, have never seen a reaction by more people to the hero from meeting him. And we've done Dolly Parton. And not just because no one knows George Washington that is alive today, but no one has stories when I when I've been doing my research, when every person that has met Fred Rogers is like, sit down, I have a story to tell. And I know you know that better than anybody, but <laughs> it has blown me away. I mean, again, I'm talking about beating Muhammad Ali and Oprah and Dolly Parton. No one has gotten a reaction like when we were working on this book. Wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. You, you know, one of my favorite moments that really uh, speaks to what you were just saying is is that moment where he is receiving an award and um, he has everyone in the audience. I, I'm sure everyone has seen it probably many times, but he has them stop for just 10 seconds of silence. Oh, love that. And it's amazing when you see the looks on the faces of all of the celebrities in that room who once again are transformed into children and you see tears rolling down their faces and you know that he has been an important connection to each of them. He was just a very unique person. And uh, as he would tell everyone else how special they were, the way that they were made, uh, we, we could definitely see that about him. So I'm so grateful to you for continuing to honor that legacy. One of my fears is that 
as time goes on, um, people like Fred Rogers will start to be forgotten um, just because him not being on TV anymore and the way that technology has changed. Uh, but this is just an, another way uh, for that legacy to continue and for people to remember the man. And, and I hope that this will just be something that continues to be shared with children again and again and again, because those stories, as you've been reminding us today, that we hear about in our youth, they do shape us into the people that we will become as adults. And so I'm grateful to have writers like you that are continuing that legacy. I was wondering, yeah. oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. The only thing I was going to add to was, um, is, I, I, you know, and just one other story that I loved is, and then we put in the book is when Fred Rogers is inducted into the television hall of fame, uh, Jeff Erlinger, who of course is the boy who was in the wheelchair in that famous episode, uh, just as, as you were talking about presenting the award, I, it was very important. I was choosing between which, which story I should tell, the one you said mm -hmm. or this one. And I love that in that moment, Jeff Erlinger surprises him on stage and says, and the quote is, he says, when you tell people that it's you I like, we know that you really mean it. And tonight mm -hmm. I want you to know that on behalf of millions of children and grownups, it's you that I like. And I, I put that in there because I wanted to thank Mr. Rogers himself. I wanted to be able to relay that, that like after all this time, we owe him that thank you. Because his lessons to me are more, they're more necessary than ever. I mean, look at us. Look at my kids are scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok. I'm scrolling. We're scrolling. You're scrolling. We're all scrolling all day long. Fast, fast, fast. The news is like a fire hose and it's just knocking us out. And Mr. Rogers at the very base of it all always teaches us just taking the benefit and showing us the benefit of slowing down mm. and boy do we need that lesson today for you know add that to all the kindness lessons and the generosity and and the, and the self-love that he offers us um but those lessons I, I, my kids need them my daughter needs them my sons need them i need them right now and i can't tell you how many people have said i'm an adult and i'm buying this book for myself because i need that lesson right now and i love that people are, are doing that with this book yeah well and i think as you're as you're reminding us today, too, I think that all of us are in danger of allowing our doing to exceed our being, that we are just so busy doing all the time that we forget that we are human beings. And I love the way that Fred Rogers would often, when he was interviewed, would talk about, uh, he, he would often turn the interview around and ask the interviewer questions like, are you getting enough quiet in your life? You know, <laughs> and do you ever? Oh, I, I had the, I had yeah. someone. I yeah, one of my one of my favorite ones is um, I just done an interview on um, on WQED on radio, mm. and the interviewer knew you know Fred Rod, and he, he was telling me how he used to go into the parking lot, and Fred Rogers would you know say you know, oh, tell me what song you're playing now. You know, tell me what this you're doing. Like it did the interaction, the stopping when he should be being interviewed or he should be doing work or he should be doing this. And mm. I, I just love those stories as they keep coming back. So go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I wish that we had someone today uh, who had the kind of moral authority that Fred Rogers had. And the reason I say that is, I feel like when he was with us, uh, he was one of those voices that it didn't matter what your political affiliation was. It didn't matter what your religion or your lack of religion was. It didn't matter your socioeconomic status, your color. It seemed like everyone had a respect for Fred Rogers. And I think he's kind of unique as a hero, as a person, 
just on that level that I, I can't think of anyone today who had that kind of moral authority and clarity that could maybe just speak into a situation and everybody would listen. And I, I think that's maybe what I grieve the most about not having his presence in the world. Uh, I've, I've thought about it several times and, and I just can't think of another person uh, that kind of unique, who had that kind of unique presence in the world today that could speak into some of our situations and just be that voice of reason. And we would all go, yeah, we trust Mr. Rogers on this. Um, so again, yeah, but I think, I think he, but I think he earned that, right. Yeah. It's not, he, he earned that because we felt love from him. Mm. And when you feel love from someone, you trust them. That's the basis of it. That's where it's all built upon. It's the foundation. It's the pillars. And it's what's immovable. You know, it's kind of like when you have someone who you're, you know, you don't get along great with and they make a comment to you and you go, oh, they, you know, they, they said that because of this. They think this of me. Mm -hmm. And your best friend, when they make that same comment, you laugh and you go, oh, you know, they, they don't, you, know you, you shake it right off. Why? Because you know that your best friend has love for you. And once that love is there, and once you feel it really there, everything else rolls off. Mm -hmm. You you because because you feel like you're in a safe place. You feel like you're okay, and it's just amazing. You know, uh, when when Mister Rogers was first figuring out when he first worked in television, um, and he and he starts working there, he he looks at the Gabby Hayes. He was he was a you know first job at in New York at NBC on TV. And he and Gabby Hayes was like this kind of like howdy young whippersnappers had this like TV show. I know we're dating ourselves for people who don't know Gabby Hayes now, but <laughs> but what Gabby Hayes used to do is he used to look right into the camera and he talked to the kids at home on his TV show. And Fred Rogers asked him, you know, how do you make connections with an audience when they're not in the studio and you can't see them? And Gabby Hayes explained to him, and I put this in the book. It says, I focus on one little buckaroo. I think of talking just to one of them, one little buckaroo. And I tell you that story simply because isn't that what Fred Rogers did exactly to us? When he talked to that camera and said, you know, I like you just the way you are. There's no one like you and there never will be again. I believed him. Yeah. I still believe him. Mm. You know, I, I, I found self-worth and self-love from him. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I have my parents, I have my family and, you know, but boy, did I believe him. And that, that love is the reason why he was the, able to, whatever the situation was, exactly as you said, you know, he was above reproach because we believe, we, all of us believed he was talking just to us. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's one of the great stories, actually. And, and I, I'm glad that you put that into the book, too, because that really was his approach into the camera when, when he would talk. He would always mention his neighbor in the singular, and he he would say that he envisioned talking to just one child, uh, and and I think that was unique in in the way that I, I've told this to several people that his approach on television, even though he was the one speaking to us, he made you feel like you were being listened to, and I still don't know quite how he pulled that off in a medium where you're receiving and receiving, but I do feel like if you watch some of those old episodes that you do feel like at times, oh, he's listening to me. And I, I just think that is such a unique and wonderful gift that he used to great advantage. He, he used it for good in the world, I guess we should say. Yeah, you know, but I don't think he was pulling it off. Like, I mm -hmm. think he really meant it. I mean, we, mm -hmm. you know, when we watch television, 
you know, we don't know anyone we're quote unquote really watching, but we get a vibe of who we think is a nice person and who we think is a bad person. Like, and again, we may be, can we be wrong sometimes? Of course, you know, where, when you're judging someone, especially a famous person through television, but we also, a reporter once told me I was doing research for one of my thrillers and a reporter once said to me that people know how to find the truth. They just know when they're being lied to. And when, when a politician lies, they were explaining to me that people just keep digging. Like something just seems wrong here. They just can smell that there's a lie there. Mm. And we also can smell when there's a truth. Mm. We also know when someone's genuine, when they're just full of garbage, you know, you just know it. You just, you can't, you can't pull that fakery off. You just, Mm. some people just have a vibe of authenticity and that was his superpower. His superpower was kindness. His superpower was that love that he had for us. So it wasn't something he was, it wasn't, that wasn't a role he was playing. That's, he was just using the show as a delivery device to give us something he truly believed in. And you can't make up that authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't have to fake it because it was him. And, and that truly was, I can't tell you how many books I've read about the man and how many people I've talked to that knew him. And it just seems like everybody says that exact same thing. He, he wasn't fake. He was exactly who he seemed to be. Uh, and, and I think for that reason alone, he's worth remembering for sure. I, I was wondering, because I know that you must have done so much research, as, as you always do, uh, if there's one thing we can say about you, for any of us who have read your novels, have uh, seen television shows that you've worked on, any of your books, uh, you, you do a lot of research. And I was wondering if there was any one thing that was really a surprise to you during this process. Maybe it made it into the book or maybe it didn't, or was there just a, a story that you came across something that for you was like, this is great. And, and I, I, I didn't know this before. Uh, you know, I didn't know lady Elaine was named after his sister. Oh, <laughs> N- never knew that one. It was just one of those little ones that slipped. I was like, I knew, you know, and there were stories that I know and love and we all know and love, like, you know, I love, um, you know, when he hires Officer Clemens to, you know, for Francois to play the role is, you know, that he's, I didn't realize he was one of the first recurring black characters on children's TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that he had race relations where obviously he was trying to work on. I knew that, you know, he wanted him to people to look up and, and see a black man as a, as a wonderful role model. I knew the story of him going to Congress and, you know, asking for his $20 million and the, you know, the cigar chewing cliche congressman saying, well, you've just earned your $20 million. Like we've all seen all those scenes. We've all know those stories. Anyone listening to this podcast has seen it and sent it a million times, mm-hmm. but I didn't know something as simple as like, Oh, and I even knew, I knew, I knew McFeely was of course named after his grandfather. I knew that part, but I, Lady Ling, that one, I loved it. It was such a little, a little nothing that I was like, how did I not know that one? Yeah, that that's a great story. And if I remember that it was kind of a family joke throughout the years too, about that being the sister. So that's that oh, is yeah. a, a great one for sure. But uh well that's wonderful. Well, I wanted to ask too, and and he's not here to speak for himself, but I and I'm gonna have to apologize in advance because I know I always get uh I probably mispronounced Christopher's name, but is it Christopher? Eliopolis. 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 Yeah. Um, it's not because I don't admire him greatly, um, but I I think his artwork is tremendous and it just uh it fits the style of what you're writing for these books in an amazing way. Um, I, I wonder how you two collaborate together when you're doing stories. And and I just wonder um how just how that works as the the artist and the writer relationship together on these books. 
it's very simple. I drive him crazy, and then he draws a book. Um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> and he'll attest to that. The the truth is is uh, I write in the script every single thing that should be drawn. You know, mm. here's a double page spread, and he should be here. Here's a uh, you know, he's the, put the camera on the ground, give us a worm's eye view of him looking up so we can be inspired as he looks to the sky. I literally do every camera angle, every shape. Sometimes, you know, I, I even lay out the page. Um, but thankfully, Chris knows exactly when to not listen to me. And he's an artist and he knows what he's doing. And he and I have worked together on over 30 books now. So in the first books we did together, I I mean, every, I tell him every single way to move it. And now I just trust him so much more. Mm. Um, and uh, I still drive him crazy, but thankfully he knows exactly when to ignore my instructions and say, this is going to be the better view. <laughs> um, and, and, but it is a process and then he draws it and then it comes back to me. And, you know, I'll, I'll always say like that page where it says, look for the helpers. I wrote in the, in the script. I'm like, Chris, this is the page. Mm. This is the page we want a poster of. It can't just be Mr. Rogers and his mom looking at us, telling us the story. Like it's gotta be draw us a poster. And when I say draw us a poster, it means like knock it out in some, and you know, and I think you've seen it, but like the silhouette he draws of them walking in the forest is just beautiful. Like I want a poster of what Chris drew and I didn't know what to really do. He had to figure out what to do. And I, I think he's the other secret weapon of this book is of course, Chris's art. Um, you know, we have someone great like Mr. Rogers, but if you can't convey that kindness and that generosity, I don't know what it is. And to tell you how great Chris Eliopoulos is, um, cause he's my little Mr. Rogers really is, you know, Chris spent this week at a, at a basically a sci-fi comic book kind of nerd, wonderful convention. Um, but it was called, I think it's called com con C A L M. And it's in Boston. It was the first year they ever had it, but it was for kids who regular comic book conventions are just too intense because they're kids, whether they're on the spectrum, whether they have sensory issues, they just can't go to those big shows. So here's quiet rooms and places where you can learn how to build a lightsaber, but everyone has headphones on. So it does, it's not, you know, just won't shake you to your core if you have sensory issues. And, and it wasn't a big show and it was, you know, raining and it wasn't that well attended, but, of all the shows Chris got gets invited to, that's the one he went to because he wanted to meet those kids. And I just love, uh, you know, that I get to work with someone that's that beautiful and generous. That is wonderful. Well, we are big fans of Chris uh, and, and I, I won't get his name wrong from here on out for sure, but uh, that is beautiful. Calm Con. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, my wife actually is a teacher of children with special needs. And so she would actually love to know about things like that as well, too. So I'm grateful for you sharing that information. Uh, so this has been just a real treat for me. I've had several family members that have been sending me messages telling me what big fans they are of you. And they were really looking forward to uh, this episode, as was I today. So just uh, it's very rare that that we get to to meet people that mean a lot to us. And so it's my pleasure just to get to say thank you for all your uh, incredible work over the years. I, I know that you uh, pour your heart and soul into what you do. Just as we close out our conversation today, is there anything that, that we missed that, that you would like to share about? Uh, anything that you're excited about or anything coming up? I'd love for you just to, to take a, a moment to share what Whatever you'd like. Well, first of all, I want to make sure I get it right. It's it's not com, it's calmer com, C A L M E R con. Oh, you'll calmer find that. Con. So it's a calmer com, yes. So I had to make sure I got that right because I want anyone who wants to go to it should go to it next year. 
Um, but beyond that, you know, uh, first of all, let me just say thank you to you. When we when we announced that we were doing, I am Mr. Rogers. Uh, I reached out to you privately on Twitter, uh, and you showed me nothing but kindness. Mm. And you said I'd be happy. I would love to announce this, and you. You know, showed it to the people who you know listen to your podcast and listen to you, and it just was so kind. And this friendship has been treasured from that moment because um, I love anyone who loves Mr. Rogers. We automatically become friends, right? Because we, <laughs> we've been built on that that genetic link. Um, but <laughs> but beyond that, what I will say is, anyone you know, next year is the ten year anniversary of the Ordinary People Change the World series, and Chris and I are going to do a a really really wonderful big tour. So. We'd love to meet you. Anyone who wants their Mr. Rogers signs, um, please, please come uh, to a tour stop. Go to bradmelcher.com, sign up for the newsletter, because what I'll do is when, when we come to your city, we'll send you an invitation. But please uh, come say hi. Let us shake your hand. Let us know you you're, you heard of us and, and, and have I am Mr. Rogers. And, and more important, thank you to every person out there. who. It's great if you buy a copy of yourself, but I love all of the people out there who buy them for their, you know, their 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 kids and their grandkids, their nieces, their nephews, and and donate them to their churches and their synagogues and their schools. I mean, our kids need helpers right now. Our kids need kindness right now. So thank you for sharing Mr. Rogers and, and keeping his legacy alive. It, it matters so much to me. I know it matters so much to you. Um, so thank you for giving us that the ability to do that. Well, thank you. And I really appreciate you letting us know about that. I, 10 years, boy, that has flown by. And uh, I, I'll look forward to, to going to one of those stops myself. That's exciting. So congratulations on nearly 10 years uh, of this wonderful resource. And thank you for all that you have done. And it has been a pleasure. So thank you for stopping by our podcast neighborhood today, Brad. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us here this week in the neighborhood. Music featured this week on the podcast was Won't You Be My Neighbor by me, Rick Lee James. I run the At Mr. Rogers Say community on Twitter X. I'm your host, and I'm so glad that you were here with us this week. My personal Twitter X account is at Rick Lee James. My website is rickleejames.com. My other podcast is Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast. By the way, this is a free podcast and it will always be free to you. But if you've been enjoying this show and want to find out how you can help me to keep making more shows like these, please visit patreon.com slash James. Well, I look forward to being with you again next time. But until then, remember, you make each day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.